0: Welcome back to the Thriving Thursdays podcast. I am Asadia De La Cruz and I am your host and today we have a special guest with us. Um, Grace Perda is here and she is a close friend of mine who I met um, at a Bible study group here in our local community and we are actually um, within the same career field which was how we like Became to talking and getting to know one another, both um, psych majors, and so it's been really cool getting to know her um, and just her personality. And she's an amazing person, so I'm so excited to have her on today. Um, so, Grace, you recently just got engaged. I did. I did. You got engaged to Ender. Yes. How long were you guys dating? Oh, uh, we were dating for two, two and a half years, almost two and a half years. Okay, okay. So I guess before we dive in to you and your engagement and the Christian dating, um, I guess if you want to give a little bit about yourself to them so they can familiarize themselves with you a little more.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, this is always a hard question. Um, <laughs> a little about me. Uh, I grew up in Texas. I've been here my whole life. I've never moved or anything. Contrary to Ender's sneak peek, he moved around a lot. Um but yeah, I grew up in Texas, uh, I grew up in the church, um, my parents are both believers, um, but I really didn't start following Jesus until late high school, but I think I was still in bondage to a lot of things I didn't realize like God could change in my life until mm-hmm. probably sophomore year of, of college is when like God really started to take hold of my life because um, I always wanted Him, I think, in high school. And college is when God showed me, like, that was possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it wasn't something that I just had to, like, want from afar, I guess. That's a little about me. Passionate about Jesus. Passionate about um, my wonderful
0: fiancé. And I'm passionate about the church. Yeah. Believers. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited for you guys. Okay. So, backtrack. How did you meet Ender? It's really... Okay, I'm going to try to condense it.
1: We were just talking about this the other day on like how to condense our meeting You're story. Like, without because, making it a whole hour. Yeah, yeah, without making it a whole hour, because <laughs> I always do. Um, he's better at telling it quickly. Okay, so, okay, I'm trying to do it like 30 seconds. Go it's not it. going to be 30 seconds, better. but I'm trying. Okay. So we kind of met at school, kind of met at the coffee shop, but mostly at she, CJ's, Okay. Um, which is a local coffee shop in the Sherman area. So um, he was working there, and um, a friend of mine that later became my roommate was actually super into him. Uh And me and, like, our friend group were, like, hyping her up, like, yeah, he likes you, like, yeah. And I met him one day. And uh, she was like, are hey, you going to meet him? Like, they were working together at this coffee shop. And I sat at the bar, which is where you can, it's called the slow bar. You can watch them make drinks and stuff. And he was totally flirting me up because he did not know. Oh, he well, I said, don't, I, I don't like you a latte. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he knew or not Like that that this girl was into him. But mm-hmm. um, overall, he'd seen me around like campus and stuff. Yeah. And he was interested. And I'd never met him before outside of this. And I remember thinking, this guy's like cute and really cool, but like, Aww. you know, girl code. Like, I can't, I can't move in on this. Yeah, that'd be so. Awkward. You know, yeah. it would be pretty bad. Yeah. Um, he gave off some signals. We thought that he was super into my friend, and so we were like hyping her up and stuff. Um, right. Turns out that was not true, and it kind of fizzled out. She realized like I'm not gonna chase this. Flash forward, she becomes manager of the coffee shop, and suddenly it's like all right, now I'm the person who has to tell you to do your job, and this is very awkward. And so gotcha. she was not really into it anymore. Yeah. And so um, let's see. What else? Um, some time went by. Um, I invited him to my Bible study. Um, he was wanting to – I was, I was um, not leading, but I, I was a leader at a Bible study um, at my old church. Okay. And where I was working at the time. And – I invited him, but it was kind of like he was also just trying to. He wanted my number, and so he was like, he was like, Boys. let me, let's like, let's like collab Bible studies. Yeah, like let's do that. And um, but it really was just a ploy to get my number. <laughs> and so he comes, he brings his friend with him to like suss out the situation and see if I like him back. And I was really nervous at the time. I, I was coming out of, kind of my whole life in high school, thinking. If I like a guy, I have to pretend that I don't because I don't want to get hurt. Because I liked a lot of guys in high school. So you were, like,
0: like really protective of yourself. I
1: was, yeah. Like, I I liked a lot of guys in high school who did not like me back. In middle school, too. It was kind of, like, my – it's kind of my move.
0: (laughs) So, like, was it a fear of rejection? Is that what you're saying? Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: For sure, a fear of rejection. I was, like, if I shut myself off and I pretend I'm not interested, I don't have to go through Mm. the fact that this guy's way too cool for me. Yeah. I had a weird complex at the time. I was like, he works at a coffee shop. I'm not that cool. So I'm just going to like play up the Christian girl thing who works at the church. And I'm going to like seem really cool. Yeah. And he kind of did the same thing to me. So uh, we were kind of going back and forth on that. You know, long story short, he goes home that day and his friend's like, yeah, this girl doesn't like you. And he's like, all right. So um, then COVID happens and uh, some stuff in the middle we're both kind of figuring some things out with God life's happening and whatever and after covid happens um, a lot of things in his life happened he like fell off his skateboard and broke his face and what like, lots of yeah lots what? of stuff so he um, also
0: skateboarded so he works at a coffee shop I mean, he does not skateboard anymore uh-huh but in the because moment i'm saying in the moment he, he was yeah. working at a coffee shop he skateboarded he was an artist like artist. everything i ever
1: wanted Aww. ever in my life um
0: yeah and so <laughs> So he wasn't a good skateboarder because he fell off. Well, he was a good skateboarder, oh, okay, but it's okay. like it takes
1: that one run where you, like, <laughs> break a bone or yeah, something. And yeah. then he was like, never again. Um, and so anyway, so that happened. A lot of, like, tough stuff happened to him that really, like, God used to to mold him and stuff. And by that time, God was like, all right, y'all are ready for each other because um, we both went through some stuff. And... Um, so, one day, this girl, whose name's Grace, um, moved Oliver's stuff out of his art studio and, like, put it in another studio, and they, they, like, went over his head to his professors and, like, stole the art studio. And he was like, Grace, I know, like, one Grace, maybe it was her. So, he texts me. No, he tries to call me, and I'm, like, in class, and he tries to That's call awkward. me. That's awkward. And <laughs> I'm like, why is this dude calling me? Um, and... Um, but I was also, like, kind of excited, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, ooh, my boy's calling me. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, like, texted him. I was like, I'm in class. Hang on. And so then he's like, oh, hey, I just wanted to know, like, did you steal my art studio? Um, was that you? Someone named Grace, like, took all my stuff out. Oof. And I was like, that was not me. I wish I had an art studio. That sounds amazing, <laughs> but I don't have one. Yeah. And um, I would love to paint, but, like, I used to paint, but I, I don't really do it anymore because I have no place to do it. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, um
0: Maybe you should come to my art studio sometime. Oh, I wonder if that even actually happened. Maybe Bro. it was just a way to, like, hit you up, uh, you know? <laughs> it did happen. I did see oh, okay. it happen. Like, I okay. went up
1: there. I saw it. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, but I went home that day, and it was my friend's 21st birthday, and we were having her, like, a little, a little get-together with just, like, the five of our, our gal friends. And I got home that day um, to my friend who um, had previously liked him and didn't anymore. She um, was also my roommate at the time. Was that awkward? No, it really honestly it never was. I never felt it. If, yeah. it was, if there was anything on that side, I never felt it. Okay. Um, in fact, she was very much like our wingman, our go-between,
0: because uh-huh. they were working together. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. She,
1: she was a real one. She was a real one. Okay.
0: And did he know all this time that she did like him, or he, I, did he not know until? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he did.
1: It wasn't like a big thing or anything, okay. but but okay.
0: like he knew. Yeah.
1: And she was really cool about it. She's not the kind of person who gets like super hung up on one mm. person. She's, she's a very strong okay Anyway. And um so where was I? Oh, I get home that day. And I was like, Laura, why why is Andrew texting me? Like we haven't talked in like since he came to my Bible study. (laughs) And she was like, Oh my gosh, I have something to tell you but (laughs) I'm And I was like, just tell me. And she was like, oh, my gosh. He's liked you for, like, two years. And I was like, (gasps) what? And, like, all this stuff coming, flooding back to me, like, a couple weeks before she had told me this story about um, how he liked this girl and it didn't work out and blah, blah, blah. And it, like, hits me in this moment. I'm like, I'm the girl in this story. And, like, I had never been the girl in the story before. Like, never in my life. It was always, you know, I like somebody and they don't even know exist. Oh, my god.
0: And it was my first boyfriend. Like, for real.
1: And even this guy in high school, like, it didn't even, it was, like, not even my boyfriend or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was my first real boyfriend that actually liked me first. That's awesome. And so, um, that, to say, a sneak peek on one of the questions, like, um, when you, when you're a woman, and you're a Christian woman, and you want to be pursued, obviously, like being pursued by the Lord mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Um, and he always pursues. Uh, but waiting for that that guy that's going to pursue you is, is yeah. super, super important. So yeah. anyway, I hope that. Oh Yes, the oh, answer. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The conclusion to that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the conclusion to that was he texted me. And we ended up, our first date was at his art studio painting together.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. That's awesome. What did you think on the first date? What were your thoughts on the first date?
1: On the first date, I was like, dang, this boy, like, checks all the boxes.
0: (laughs) You know, like, he's cool. He's cute. He's, like, really cool. Like, did it scare you? Because I know the saying, like, what's that saying? Like, oh, man, it slipped my head. Where it's, like it's too good to be true. Um, like there's has to be, I know for me, like that was something in the beginning. I'm like, it's too good to be true. And I was like waiting, like, what is it? Cause like he's checking all these boxes. There has to be something. Um,
1: it's funny you say that because no, I didn't think that, but I, it's weird. I, I think I should have thought that because yeah. at the time I was very jaded. I was super sick of men in general and Mm -hmm. I was super sick of Christian boys because I'd met so many of them that very much like lied about who they were Mm -hmm. um would say that they love Jesus and all this stuff and they were really kind of fake and so um I was super jaded I'm surprised I didn't think like when's the shoe gonna drop I'm surprised now you're saying
0: that that, um how were you able to like take this new relationship Mm -hmm. with him and not bring those like, fears of rejection and, you know, going through the lives of other Christian boys, how were you able to surpass that and then not carry that into your relationship with Enter?
1: You know, I would say two things. I would say, first of all, you got to ask the right questions. Um, you know, you're not out here asking, um, I mean, <laughs> preliminary, like, dating stuff, right? You're going to ask what's your favorite color. You're going to ask what's your style and whatever. Right. The basics. But I think you can kind of tell when someone is like really loves Jesus and really doesn't. Mm. Um like one of the first things um Ender asked me, like honestly I think it was the first question he asked me was how do you like to worship? Which like <laughs> if you're like a if you're like a you know a boy who likes to play around you don't ask something like that. Right. So, I mean there were things like that. There were That is
0: a good question. Like, clue in wow. stuff. Yeah. And um so yeah, yeah that I feel like only a person who really loves the Lord would know their way. That of and worshiping. who would
1: have so like that was something that was important to him. Mhm. Like a girl that doesn't limit herself in worship, a girl that desires to worship the Lord was, like, important to him, and he was showing that by asking that to
0: me. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, um, um. so the other
1: the other thing was the other way that I, I didn't – the rejection thing that you touched on. Yes. He was very good at pursuing. He always made me feel loved. He always made me feel wanted. He didn't make me feel like I had to work for his affection, mm-hmm. like, ever. Mm-hmm. And he was very good at um, – just, like, affirming me in that, because which was so, like, sweet. And the Lord, like, knew what I needed because growing up, being rejected and being unseen by all these guys, like, God knew that I needed to be pursued in that way. And he gave
0: me Ender. Yeah, I feel like that's beautiful because it shows such a good representation of, like, the Lord and how the Lord pursues us. And I genuinely feel like the Lord uses those loved ones in our lives that we're in relationships with to reflect his characteristics because it's like through them, we're able to experience like just a tad bit of the Lord's love of his mercy, of his grace. And like through someone that's here with us physically. Yeah, for sure. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask you for the ladies out there, how would they know that he's the one? Okay.
1: (laughs) So, all right, bear with me on this one. This is a little, little, as Jimmy Fallon says, controversy here. Go for it. Um, I don't, like, believe in the sort of traditional idea of, like, the one. Uh-huh. Let me, like, kind of explain. So do I believe that the Lord is sovereign in our lives? Absolutely. Do I believe that the Lord wants me to marry the love of my life? Andrew, absolutely. Do I believe that there is nobody else in this world that I need to be with? Absolutely. But I think the idea that we have kind of built up even in the church a little bit about what the one is or who you're looking for mm-hmm. I think is it's a problem yeah I think that it creates a lot of confusion frustration um yeah because yeah. for me growing up I was almost unable to separate God's sovereignty from what I saw in movies, mm. from what I saw in media, from what I saw in people talking about love. Yeah. And so I think when you conflate those ideas together, it's just this mess of finding your identity in another person. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're out there looking for this one person that's going to like complete you, you, you're looking for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Because no human being out there is going to p- complete you. Like. That idea is very unhealthy, yeah,
0: um, yeah, because no, the, cause then you find the fulfillment in that person not right, in and not
1: Christ, or you're yeah. you're continually looking for whatever that is. And so to me, like you'll never find who it is that the Lord, you know has for your life because you know the gift of singleness exists, like some people don't get married. Right. And so I think to have this idea that like for every person there is, this one person that's going to complete their life. Like, it's not true. Yeah. Um, and it's not in the Bible. It's not biblical.
0: Um, what would you say is biblical um, regarding the one? Instead of it being yeah. the one, what is the biblical, I guess, not saying, but, like, word on that?
1: Um. So one thing that helped me a lot is... I watched this documentary. It's fantastic. If you're ever like struggling with this, this idea, go look for this um, sermon series. It's called um, "The Sacred Search" by Gary Chapman, I, I believe. Okay. Um, my old BSF leader. She's amazing. Shout out Connie. Um, <laughs> um, it gave it to me when I was really struggling just with this. Deep, deep anxiety over, have I, have I found the one? Did I do it right? Did, mm. I, did I pick the right person? Did I pick the right person? And his, like, motto over this sermon series is, it's not the who, it's the why. I like
0: that. And so that. it's not
1: like the who. The, the main point of it is that it's not that you have to find this one person with this one personality that will fit the key to your, no. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to fit your life, like marriage is work, That's good. right? Relationships are work, but it's the why. So why are you choosing this person? Are you choosing this person because you're finding fulfillment in them? Are you choosing yeah. this person because they make you happy? Are you choosing this person because ultimately, like as believers, w- like we're called to choose the person who is going to do ministry with us, yes. who is going to uh, lift us up in Christ, who is going to, um, you know, all of those things. Right. And so, um, to me, it's less of this anxious, white-knuckling, who's the one, who's the one, who's the one. Yeah. And more of when I'm running this race of the life with Christ, and I look to my right and I look to my left, like, who's running next to me? Yeah. Who's keeping the pace? Yeah. And for me, that was super rare. And so, for me... Like, that illustrates, like, why Ender is, like, quote-unquote, the one for me. Um, But it's not because he completes my life. It's because I, like, choose him. Yeah. I love him, so I choose him. That's awesome. Um, I like that. And in choosing him and in choosing to work on that relationship and to love him um, through marriage and stuff like the Lord blesses that and you know he's carved out this beautiful plan of our lives together to intertwine Um, yeah I really like
0: that you hit on that and how it can be a problem when we are focusing on like the one Mm -hmm. because I feel like even with me and like you know family friends the church it was like all this stress around like well what if someone doesn't think he's the one right and then you're like well, what does the one mean yeah. like like you know cuz i mean i know god has created yeah. someone that will fit and right. fit like a puzzle piece with me right like they'll be strong in the areas i'm weak right right and yeah cuz god does things. do that
1: but like there's not someone who is going to make you happy every day yeah like that doesn't exist like yeah. marriage and relationships are work and they require us to choose love like love is not a feeling it is a choice I believe that 100 percent. yeah and so like if you ask me like who's the one let me tell you guys the <laughs> one is Jesus like that's oh that was
0: fire like, say, it you, again, say it again <laughs> for
1: those in the back say it again say it again when you if you're looking for the one the one is Jesus amen like there amen. is no Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because when you look in scripture, like, there's not a lot about dating. There's not a lot about looking for that. And so, when you're chasing Jesus, you're chasing the one who is God. That's when you look around you and, you know, God brings that person into your life. I
0: love that you just said that because as you were speaking, what came into my head was like, as I was like diving deeper with the Lord and really pursuing the Lord on my knees, and like I was getting invited to this church, right, to speak, it was like, In that time was when Ricky came into my life. Yeah. Like, it's, like, when I was, like, the most intentional with the Lord that, like, the right man for me came in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think think that if you are
1: looking for the one in terms of looking for fulfillment, like, you're going to be sorely disappointed because no person on this earth is going to fulfill you the way that Jesus
0: does. Yeah. That's, that's so good. So what advice would you give to the ladies that maybe are actually waiting for their husband, their yeah. future husband? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess this would be before dating, they're waiting yeah. to um, enter into a relationship, that waiting season. What was it like for you? What advice would you give to those young ladies who are in that season of waiting?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, my advice would be And
0: you're like, there's so much I could I say. So much. <laughs> what do I choose? <laughs> this this is a
1: tough one because I like the season that I was in. I wouldn't even call it waiting. Mm-hmm. Like I I was just doing life with God, you know. Like I I knew I wanted to get married one day, and I knew that I desired that and stuff, but like there is such like a sweetness of the single the season of singleness an intimacy that you have with God before you have to kind of like learn how to do life with yeah. another person mm-hmm. and you can have intimacy with God in any season but the season of singleness is like so precious. I remember one of the times I was like gonna go out on like a first date with somebody, and I used to have like huge anxiety over dating. Um, It took me like a month to say yes to like somebody I didn't even end up with. I went on like one date. And, um, but when that happened, I remember us sitting down with um, this incredible Bible study called The Quest by Beth Moore. Um, It's great. Um, And the Lord was like showing me some things. And I remember just crying my eyes out because I was like, I'm going to go on this first date with this guy. And I don't even, I don't even like want to invite somebody else into my life right now. Like, God, you're all I want. Like, I just, I don't want to mess this up like what I have right here. And so like for me, or I guess my advice to someone who's in this like waiting season, like stop waiting. (laughs) Like, yeah, stop. Yeah, Because when you – if you're, like, waiting on this, like, man to come into your life, that means you're not –
0: you're not realizing the man that has already pursued you, Mm. which is Jesus. I feel like in today's society it could be hard to, like, not make it a season of waiting because you're surrounded with, like, the social media Mm -hmm. that is just, like, you know, if you do not have someone, like, you're – your life isn't complete or like, yeah, that's- you know, you have to go find your soulmate. Cause if you don't find your soulmate, like, what are you doing? Like you can't be single. Who wants to be single anymore? And so I love that you're saying like, don't make it a season of waiting, but make it a season of pursuing the Lord. And through him, you know, the man that he wants with for you to be with will come in. Yeah. Um, yeah. that was really good. Cause ultimately, like I said, like
1: the man that you know, if, if it's the Lord's will for you to have a spouse, like, that person is going to, like, the purpose of marriage is one, to emulate the relationship between Christ and the church, we know that, but also to grow you spiritually in order to glorify the Lord more, yeah. and so if you're not there on your own, you are not ready to do that with somebody else, right, um, And so if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, before you get into a relationship, you're bringing in brokenness, you're bringing in frustration, you're bringing in confusion. Yes. Um, And you're also bringing in a high, high, high expectation on this person to make you
0: happy when they're never going to make you happy. I feel like that's why, well, I didn't like date other men or guys before Ricky, but... I feel like maybe that's why so many people have so many boyfriends now too. It's because like you're not, you think you're ready for that relationship and it turns out you're not. And it might be because you have some things that the Lord wants to work on with you first before you try bringing someone else into the picture. Um, It's such a,
1: such a sad picture to me. And and don't hear me on this thinking that, like, I had all this figured out because I did not. It took me a long time to, to kind of get there. Yeah. Um, but I just see this picture of God, like, pursuing this beautiful person who just keeps going off trying to find that happiness in, like, boyfriends and different men when he's, like, sitting right there saying, like, I'm here. I love you now. I'm yeah. pursuing you right now. I'm the one. I'm the one. Yeah, And, like, if we're looking for that and others, we're rejecting him over and over again. Ooh. And he's already, like,
0: he's already given that. He's already yeah. shown up. Yeah. I like that. And, yeah. like I said, so in today's society, it can be hard, right, to believe that and really, I guess, feel that. So how would you say that we could really reach that moment of giving it all to him and giving him? What do the steps look like? pursuing him instead of making it a season of waiting, but making it a season of growing with the with the Lord. What do you think?
1: I think first of all it's a process. You can't expect it to happen overnight. Okay. Um but I also I also think it just starts with a desire to be with him. Mm-hmm. I think – and if, you, if you're not starting it with a desire to be with God, that's okay. Like, ask him for that desire. I know a lot of people, myself included, at times I have to be like, God, I want to want you. Like, help me to want you because right now, like, my heart is in a million different places. Mm. Um, and so if you're struggling with that, like, ask him Yeah. because he loves to draw people close to himself. So if, if you know I'm chasing men right now, I'm not chasing God – and you're asking for him, like, Lord, you know, draw my heart to you. You know, make my heart desire you over anything else. Like, he's going to answer that. Yeah. He's going to answer that.
0: Wow. That's nice. Um, So I guess that was the season, right? I was saying, like, before dating. Now, the season of between dating and engagement. Okay. That That season where, you know, you are having discussions about marriage and about engagement. How do you keep God centered in all of that? Cause it's so much busyness and yeah. so much planning and, you know, a lot of conversations. How do you keep God in the center of that stage, that transition? Um, and then what are some boundaries that maybe ladies out there, um, could use advice on in regards to your transitioning from boyfriend to boyfriend and girlfriend to fiancés, mm-hmm. right? And it can be harder in that season as well um, when it comes towards physical intimacy. Because yeah. at this point, you guys are already, you know, intertwining lives, your wedding planning, you're getting all of that settled. Yeah. Um, so maybe what are some n- nicks on that? um that you could help our ladies out there with.
1: Yeah, so uh, okay. First thing was Okay, so the the waiting period, okay, so you talked about waiting period and then the physical thing. Yes. So, um the waiting period of keeping like God center in your relationship. Um basically, it goes back to like the same thing I just said before because like, you can, know to the grindstone, try so hard in your earthly strength to keep God center of your relationship, and I don't think a single one of us really actually knows what that means. No. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think growing up in church and stuff, people are like, keep God the center of your relationship. Right. And you're like, yeah, uh, okay, sure. Yeah. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. And um, Andrew and I were actually talking about this either today or yesterday. I think it was today. Um Like, at the end of the day, the key to a good relationship, the key to a good marriage, is a relationship with God. So if you don't have your own relationship with God straight, you're not going to have your relationship with another person straight. Yeah. And so to keep God the center of your relationship like, look no further than a relationship with God. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Because when you're seeking Him, when you're um, in prayer and communion with the Lord, when you're um, working on that relationship, like, your desires, um, it says in Scripture, like, your desires will fall in line with His. And so if you are spending time with God and your desires begin to align with His, it's, well, I desire purity because God desires purity. I desire, um, you know, I desire holiness because God desires holiness. I desire being kind to my spouse or my boyfriend or my fiance because God desires kindness. Yeah. And so when you fall in love with Jesus more, you fall in love with what he loves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that you're going to be perfect all the time because we're sinners. We mess up. Like right. Life we're is not perfect. We're still human at the end Right. Of the day. We're human. <laughs> but um, there, t- to me, like there is no greater way to prepare for life or relationships or anything with another
0: person than more Jesus. Yeah. So. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. I feel like um, even for me, that was like um, something I had to just ask the Lord, what does it mean to have you in the center? Because it's something I hear and it's something I know I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But, like, how do I do it? And so that's why I asked you that question. Because for me, it literally just looked like praying – by yeah. myself, right, about the relationship and yeah. God's guidance and, you know, just for the Holy Spirit to bring discernment on yeah. things and all of that, but it was also, like, me constantly praying with him. Like, I remember, especially in the beginning, yeah. I was like, you know, we have to make sure we pray every night together, and we have to make sure. And it's like, that's not even necessarily it, you know. It's just really making sure that the both of you are continuous, continuously continuously seeking the Lord, because the moment one person stops, you know, that might be the moment where he's not in the center, Yeah, you know, he's just not the head of that.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that, because I would say, like, you could spin your wheels trying to come up with the perfect formula on how to date with Christ in the center and all that, and I'm sure a lot of people would give you a lot of different answers on that. I'm sure. But (laughs) at the end of the day, like, you could be praying together every night and still miss Jesus because you're focusing on the relationship and not you and God right because if you're like just trying really really hard to make the relationship work between you and your significant other yeah then that's what you're spending all your time and effort and energy on and ultimately you're trying to do that relationship in your own strength and it will never work yeah. Like you need the Holy Spirit in yeah. that. Yeah. Because on those days where that person upsets you, or those <laughs> days where you like feel like you want to be done. Yeah. Like even in marriage, I've heard that from so many people, like your earthly strength is not gonna get you through. Mm. It's not gonna cut it. Yeah. Like
0: You're gonna wanna give up throughout your child. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Like that's what separates a relationship that is centered on God from a relationship that is worldly. Um, worldly relationships give up. Worldly relationships, we just settle for a divorce. Settle. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what separates, like, a godly relationship from um, a worldly relationship is the godly relationships. Instead of th- thinking, like, what's best for me and my happiness in this moment, you're mm-hmm. thinking what's going to glorify the Lord most. Yeah. Because
0: you're spending that time with him and you love him. Right. Um, so we both went to merge. Um, yeah. And one thing that stuck with me is they were like, you have to go into marriage in a Christian perspective, knowing that it is a covenant and not a contract. And I was like, whoa. And, you know, they were diving into like how you can't just be waiting on the side of the contract, waiting for them to make a mistake so you can rip that contract and call it done. But it's a covenant. And that had such a strong like hold on me. I was like, wow, that's powerful, like, it's a covenant, and, like, the Lord has made covenants with us, and, like, you know how serious that is, and so, like, to feel that and know that, and then enter into a marriage with that, it yeah. feels wonderful, because, you know, like, we're not going into this thinking it's a contract, but we know that we're making a covenant with each other, not only to each other, but to the Lord, because we both belong to the Lord. We don't belong necessarily to each other, you yeah. know?
1: For, for me and Andrew, I remember one of the first conversations we had going into Merge was, like, hey... You know, personally for me, divorce is not an option, so what is yeah. up with you? Yeah. And, you know, we both agreed on the same thing. Like there are parameters set forth in scripture mm-hmm. of where that's okay. Yeah. Um, but other than those parameters, like it is always gonna be in my best interest to Um, preserve a relationship for better or for worse. Because those are the vows you make, right? And those are the vows you make before the Lord because it is a covenant. And God keeps his covenant with us when we mess up over and over again. We reject him over and over again and he keeps his covenant with us. And so, you know, ultimately, even if he hurts me, even if he does things that I don't like, like, it is my job and my duty to do what I can to preserve that covenant and be faithful even if he's not. Right. Yeah.
0: Love that. So, to get a little... <clears throat> helpful for our ladies and men out there. Um, okay, dating, right? You're hugging, holding hands, kisses. Mm-hmm. So when you transition from dating to engagement, I feel like there's this stage where it's like, you know that's the person you're marrying. Yeah. You know that's the person you want to be with. You want to grow with them spiritually. You want to grow with them um, professionally and careers and you know, just business wise, you want to grow with that person in every aspect. And it includes physically because yeah. you love that person. Yeah. What are some boundaries that maybe you practice that helped you or just some, maybe things in scripture that really stuck out. And I think maybe helped you push through those times. Cause I think like, I, I mean, if I want to sit here and say, we never went through that, I'd be lying to you mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, no matter how you know, strong your relationship with the Lord is, you're made of flesh and you, it can be easy to get trapped, you know, in this place where it's like, I love this person and I spend so much time with them and they're the one I'm marrying. I want to be with them physically, you know, what are some um, tips you could give on ways to keep the boundaries and what boundaries are good and helpful?
1: Yeah, um, I would say probably the biggest things are the situations that you put yourself in. Mm -hmm. Um, All of us are in our minds, like, so strong, like, but up until a point, right? Right. And so if you're completely alone in a dark place, yeah. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, um, and you might, like, think, no, 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 like, I would never do that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, at the end of the day, like you said, we're made of flesh. We're humans. And so um, yeah. I would say the biggest one that's that's more of, like, a practical thing is know your situation and don't put yourself in that situation. Don't be alone, especially when you are, like, engaged. Like, don't be in a house alone. Don't be, um,
0: you know, in a, in a space like that alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think... You know, you can get in that place where you're like, I know what I want for myself. I want to wait until I'm married. And it's like wanting it and knowing it isn't enough. Yeah, and I think
1: think we grew up in a culture that's very fear-based, and I don't think that works. I think we're seeing really clearly that it doesn't work because fear is not a a driving force towards um, righteousness. It never has been Um, as much as we maybe have been taught that growing up. It's not. Mm. Um, And so ultimately what drives obedience to the Lord is love for the Lord. And so again, yeah, you can have a great, you know, relationship with God and whatever and still fail and there's grace. Um, But at the end of the day, like my advice is still the same. If you're struggling with physical things with your, you know, your significant other and you're struggling to wait and stuff, like there's grace in the struggle, but also like bring that to the Lord, bring that to the feet of the Lord, not just in, not in just a repentance way that makes you feel good about the fact that you're saying sorry, Mm -hmm. but in a way that says like, God, I am confessing to you that I cannot do this by myself. I'm confessing to you that we are flesh and we, um, if given the right opportunity we'll do what dishonors you and yet we need your spirit we need your life in us to make yeah. the right decision um, and so bringing that I think to God especially when you do make mistakes um, and when that does happen bringing that like straight to the Lord not, not to make yourself feel better not to ease that shame or that burden, which he does, you know, he does take that shame and ease that burden, but it shouldn't be the reason that you repent. The reason that you repent um, should be just to turn your face towards the Lord, um, to seek him and seek his help
0: um, because ultimately we're we're pretty weak on our own. Yeah, I really like that you hit on that point because sin, okay, the enemy, right, is going to turn your sin into guilt. And then that guilt that the enemy instills in you um, makes you hide from God. But you exposing it right away, like you're saying, like take it straight to the Lord. You exposing that to the Lord makes that guilt kind of like not be guilt, but just be confession. And then that confession pushes you closer to God instead of making you turn away from God. I think it's easy to get trapped in this guilt and then be like oh my god like I screwed up like I did this and I said I wasn't going to and then you you further away from God because you're like I'm so horrible like how could he forgive me
1: That's <sighs> to get on a, like a total soapbox of purity culture
0: but <laughs> I will do
1: it so um I think there is a particular shame, fear, guilt, whatever you want to call it, around specifically women when it comes to this topic. Yeah. Um, we all know the youth group example of when the guy, the you know, the youth pastor, whatever, passes around a rose and everybody takes a petal off (laughs) of the rose and at the end he's like, Who wants this rose? Like (laughs) it's been soiled or whatever. And Matt Chandler, shout out Matt Chandler, I love him so much. He's like, he has a sermon where he talks about that and he's like, Jesus wants the rose. Mm. Like at the end of the day This culture around shame is, like, not helpful. Yeah. At all. And I think It will have to be a whole other
0: podcast. Yeah. It's going to have to. Honestly, yeah. It's going to have to. (laughs) I could talk about
1: shame for so long.
0: Um, No, I think it's a big issue. It is. You know, especially because churches, coming from a Hispanic church, sex is a no-no. Yeah. Straight up. But it's like, you know this culture needs more than just sex as a no-no. Like, it's not that black and white. Like, I just, and especially, like, Christian dating and Christian relationships. Like, I don't know. It's just, there's more to it than that.
1: Yeah, ultimately, if you don't understand why you're waiting till marriage, it's just a, a blind command. And you really don't even benefit, I believe, from the blessings of waiting if you don't understand why you're waiting. Yeah. So, if you don't understand like what sex is you're not taught what sex is you're not taught like from a biblical perspective what it is then you don't even get those blessings of waiting when you get there because you didn't really know what you were waiting for this whole time Mm. and i've heard of a lot of women who go into marriage and wedding night hits and they feel shame Mm. and it's like how do we switch that from shame to now it's okay in one night and the the God honest truth is you can't. Right. Um, and so if you start with shame, you're going to end with shame too. Yeah. But if you start with, wow, this picture of sex that God created and you know and meant for it to be is whole and unbroken, and you know will bring closeness and intimacy with each other, mm-hmm. then you go in with an understanding, and it's a lot easier to um, value that than it is when you're just working out of fear. Like, that doesn't work. Right. Um, And so ultimately, like, I've heard it from a lot of people. um, I've experienced um, different levels of this myself, where when you make mistakes in that, like, you begin to see, like, why it matters so much to God. Yeah. Because you begin to see, like, little cracks and different things that are broken within your relationship um when you cross whatever boundaries it is like you begin to see like why God says that and why he cares because ultimately he's not a god who makes boundaries just to like keep us in a fence Right? like that's not right. that's not why he does that yeah he creates boundaries so that we will be safe yeah. cuz ultimately like the way he created this earth and the way he created, um, structure and rules and everything is because he created it. So he knows the way it works the best. Yeah. And so he's not saying don't do this because I want you to have moral high ground. Yeah. He's saying it because he's like, I created this to be beautiful, to be a moment of connection for you, to be um, you know, a way for you guys to love each other on a level you've never understood before. And like all of that functions best if you do it within marriage. And when you do mm. it outside of marriage, you break this process and you begin to see that brokenness spill out into different areas of your relationship. Yeah. And so ultimately it's not God trying to keep you for some, from something. It's God trying to preserve something in the best, like best case scenario for you. Yeah.
0: I like that. That's beautiful. Okay. That was good. We're going to have to do a whole podcast just (laughs) on that alone. But, um, In what ways did you feel that the Lord really helped you guys thrive in your relationship and to enter from dating into engagement? Because this whole thing is called Thriving Thursday. So we want to know, keyword thrive, what has been some things or some areas the Lord has really like helped you thrive in in your relationship to reach engagement? Because not every couple reaches engagement. Yeah. Um, I think in this transitionary season,
1: It's hard to kind of give like an overall thing, Mm. but I will give something that has really been super, super impactful for me. Um, So I think the biggest thing in a relationship, particularly being the woman, is prayer. So my mom kind of recently gave me this um, book that's all about like, it's called The Power of the Praying Wife. And it's all about like- I haven't
0: read it, but I've heard about it. Yeah,
1: it's all about like, Uh, kind of a not like a woman's role in marriage but a woman's role in like prayer Mm -hmm. and so um it talks about how like you can yell at your partner to be better you can yell at them to do this or that but like it's never going to work we are human beings and we get into habits and we get into ways of existing and we don't really change those things um, except for the transformation of the lord and so uh, the book is not only about how you have to pray for these things in your spouse in order to see them, for God to change those things, yeah. if they truly are like dishonoring to the Lord, um, but it's also about praying for yourself, for you to be like in better um, response to what they're doing, or for you to be a better spouse for them, because we like to point the finger at the other mm, person a lot. That's good. Um, when ultimately, like, something we learned in Mer- in Merge was draw a circle around yourself and start there.
0: Yeah. Because the problem is usually you. Right, because it's so um, quick to want to see the faults in the other yeah. person. But it's like, hey, like, you have faults, yeah. too. You should try not, working on yours, too. Yeah,
1: like, I'm not just not – it's not just a woman thing either. Yeah. It's, you know, it can be either person. We both need to start with drawing a circle around ourselves. But um, as the woman, like, it can come off really destructive, to always be telling the other person what they're doing wrong. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, like, I know that Ender feels it, like that pressure to be the leader, the pressure of all of those things. And so if I'm constantly, like, telling him how he needs to be better and letting the Lord do that, like, mm. I had a big old realization, let me tell you about a couple months ago, that, like, I have always – I kind of knew it about myself, but I didn't see it in our relationship yet – I have always tried to take my own sanctification into my hands, and this time I was doing it to him, mm. which was really bad <laughs> because that is God's job. That is yeah. not my job. Yeah, it's not my job to look at his stuff and be like, mm, "This is what he needs to work on next." Like yeah. that's not my job. Who am I to decide what God is going to do in His life next? Yeah. Like I may be over here thinking he needs to work on, you know, uh, being more organized or something and God's over here like no 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 I care about the heart I'm growing him in leadership so step down mm-hmm. like when I'm taking that into my own hands I think it only it only slows your spouse down yeah if you're trying to take their well, yeah because then at that point you're like
0: breaking them down and it is that God might try to be working on something else or focusing on something else with them yeah. and you're like critiquing this one thing and it's like that's not what this season is for <laughs>
1: So, like, ultimately, my best advice to thrive through a relationship is, first of all, to work on your own relationship with God, which you've hit on a lot, Um, but then, secondly, to pray for the other person, and pray for yourself. Yeah. Pray that you would be, you know, molded and shaped into someone that is going to be useful to God in growing them, because ultimately, I believe that one of the biggest ways that God uses relationships in marriage is to grow us and change us. Um, 100%. Yeah, and so when it's kind of like, uh, shout out Michael Jr. for this, I'm quoting so many people. Um, (laughs) Like being in a relationship with another believer is kind of like two rough edges of something. And when you put them together and they bump up against each other and you get in these conflicts or whatever, like if you do that, and you lean into those and you do it well, what you see with two rough objects is the more that they rub against each other, they start to smooth each other out. Hmm. They start to smooth out those rough edges. And so when you lean into conflict, um, and you tackle it well, instead of withdrawing and running away or attacking the other person without letting them, you know, say something back or whatever, if you fight well, you grow. Yeah. Um, and so that would be the other thing that I would say, um, Relationship with God, praying for you and the other person, and fighting well. Yeah. You know, having conflict that um, is productive. Yeah. Because ultimately, like, you cannot avoid conflict Right. as uh, in a relationship you cannot <laughs> avoid
0: it. As much as it you is, would like to. Yeah,
1: as much <laughs> as you would like to. It's completely <laughs> inevitable. You are merging two <laughs> lives with two very different people, um, particularly in a biracial relationship. Like, it's hard. Yeah. And so... Um, but there's this beautiful thing that comes out of that. When you have these two different people, like, God has a way of pulling in all the things that you need that they have and all the things that they need that you have. And so when you you do that conflict and you um, you work through that, you end up finding out that, like, oh, our differences are, like, kind of a good thing, right? Like it kind of works, yeah. you know, God like works that out. Yeah. And it can become such a good thing. Um, something that Ender says a lot that we, that we, um, that he reminds me of a lot, and um, that we learned in merge is that it's not you two against each other. It's you two against the problem. Same team. And so yeah, same team. So if you bring that into your conflict, you realize like, I'm not trying to win the argument against that person. I'm trying to find mutual ground I'm trying to find understanding so that we can beat this problem together yes yeah Yeah. so those those things would probably be the biggest no yeah
0: that's a huge thing I feel like even me so we're five months into marriage it's a huge thing because you are at least for me I get like so defensive so easily and I feel like he's attacking me and like I have to take a second and be like okay hold on we're on the same team he's not attacking me we got this You know, and then it takes me, like, realizing that and, like, reminding myself, like, we're on the same team. I'm not to, like, fight against him. Let's figure it out together. Let's come up with a solution together. And then, you know, it's so beautiful, um, you know, after you have an argument and you come to a solution and you discuss things. And then that peace that's just, like, brought in the room and, like, between you and you hug it out, you know. And it's just so beautiful to then you go past that argument. It's like you've been, you went, you went there. You resolve that conflict. And then, you know, you learned from that. And so it just, I don't know, you're, it's, it's true. It's yeah. you It smooths one another out. You working with one another and resolving conflict only builds that person and it builds you. And then you're able to like, when the next conflict arises, you know how to handle it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like it looked the first time, but you've been there and you're developing and you're growing and it's really beautiful. Well, thank you, Grace, for sharing all this wonderful stuff with us. It was wonderful to have you on. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you for and having I me. I can't wait to have you again. Of course. And, yes, thank you, everyone. Make sure to stay tuned for next Thursday's Thriving Thursday podcast.